Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. This is episode number 51. Um, today is December 9th, Josh. And for today's show, we're going to focus a little bit more on soybeans. Um, as we think about the time of the year that we sit at, you know, we've obviously taken a lot of time to analyze how some things actually performed compared to maybe some of the things we talked about earlier in the season. Um, So like I said today, just focusing on soybeans and maybe some of those things that we talked a lot about early season, closer to planting throughout the growing season, and then some of the actual results that we've experienced as we made it um, through the growing season. I think for starters, we always tend to get quite a few questions about, you know, early planning, maybe just how one could consider incorporating that into their operation, does it pay, does it not pay? And I think we'll just maybe start there today if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, no, this will be kind of a fun fun, fun discussion here, Allie. And um, as we are, we're into December here, um, just a few episodes left to go this year. And um, always kind of a fun time We think about year end and, you know, the top 10 list, the before, the after, you know, all, all those things that are that are always fun as you come down to the end of every year. And, and you know, when we talked about preparation for the 2020 season with soybeans, you know, we always, you know, if you think about, you know, what can I do, you know, you know, we got to make good seed decisions. You got to do things, but um, you know, the first two every year, you know, after you make that seed selection, it, it really revolves around planning date and seed treatment. In a lot of cases, I guess we do got to make the seed treatment decision before the planning date because we got to have that ready. But, you know, we talked a lot about, um, you know, when you think about soybeans, you know, compared to corn, that, that attitude of, you know, what is it going to take, you know, to, to really push. And, and we talked about seed treatment uh, quite a bit in the, in regards to a couple things, we see population seeding rates coming down alley. So seed treatment, you know, helping make sure that that reduced population, we get them up out of the ground and, and, and healthy and, and sustain that lower population seeding rates. So we get a good final stand and, and you pair that with, you know, things like disease control. If I'm planting earlier, I'm in colder soil, which can lead to, some challenges of, of early season disease. And when you think about a, a major disease like SDS planting in colder soils, we talked about maybe having a little more compaction from the couple of rough years we had, you know, all those things we really encourage, you know, managing those things and also understanding what's on your seed treatment. I think that's one thing. If I ask a grower, what is on your soybean seed treatment? Um, you tend to get a lot of um, stares of, I'm not really sure. That's kind of what I lean on you for. And uh, I think all those things are important and really Allie, when you think about seed treatment and planting dates, um, as, as we get to the end of the year, Allie, I think both had an extremely positive impact on, on yield at the end of the day. That's what I was going to say. I think you look at those factors driving soybean yield in general, and certainly seed treatment holds a big piece of that puzzle. I think, you know, the only other question too, to consider as our planting dates, as we get later into the season, I think a lot of folks wonder, should I still be treating? Should I not? And I think it's just becoming a standard piece of the puzzle to treat all of those units. There's always a spectrum of disease that could still hurt us depending on even as those soil temperatures start to warm up. So I think, you know, certainly a key piece of the puzzle. And then um, I think that pushes us into you look at adding that consistency on the seed treatment side, you know, hedging your bets a little bit more positively. And then you also mentioned having those um, seeding rates being a little bit lower. Um, But I think also pairing into, you know, moving into those earliest planning dates, sometimes we get a bit a little bit gun shy of when should we, should we not start planning and does it pay? And I think that's kind of the next piece of this discussion that we might work ourselves mm-hmm. into here. Yeah. And that's a, that's an angle that, that Allie, you and I have done a lot of work on, you know, through the, through the years, especially, you know, really hyper local data on this in Southeast Minnesota. And we talked a little bit about this in, in some previous episodes here, 
you know, looking at, you know, in general, it was an earlier planting day for soybeans. This the spring allowed for that, which I also think is part of the reason why we saw, you know, record soybean yields in our, our replicated PK set. But really, if you look at, you know, any given year, depending on when that planting date, you know, lands, we're still seeing advantages. And, and really, you know, if growers are asking me, you know, what is the advantage of, you know, being able to plant early, it's, you know, it's 0.28 to 0.3 bushels per day, regardless of what the first planting date window is. It doesn't matter if it's a year like this, so that first window might've opened up April 18th, 19th, 20th, or some other years, or maybe that window doesn't open up till May 1st, that, that, that trend really doesn't change. It just depends. And, and when you think about, as we're having discussions with producers, Allie, you know, I've, I've had many growers asking about, man, maybe I should add a second planter, you know, to capture that, that, that yield on the beans. And um, yeah, already just this fall, you think about, you know, harvest just got done here a month ago and I've already talked to some growers that have had of, you know, found a planter and purchase it. And they're going to add uh, a specific soybean planter to the fleet next year, you know, and basically work on the logistics to make sure that, you know, the first day the, the, the fields are fit, we're going to start planting corn and the beans the same day because that planting date uh, impact is real on beans. And it's like, we can't wait 10 days to plant corn and then start beans because I'm three foot bushel behind the, the eight ball before we ever get started. And um, in today's world of efficiencies, it's, it's a huge deal to try to capture that if you can. And I think that, you know, just kind of wrapping up everything you've covered there, I think it, it is important to note, you know, we're suggesting that the 0.28 to 0.3 bushels per day you're losing is for every day you're not planting that you could be planting. So Correct. we're not, you know, we're not out here suggesting a specific exact date on the calendar um, based off of this data. It's all on when those windows open up and our ability to take advantage of those windows accordingly. Um, just considering, like you mentioned, that second planner conversation is certainly one uh, worth penciling out from operation to operation. Um, so nice discussion between planning date and how seed treatment are key pieces of the puzzle here, Josh. When we come back from break, we'll little, dig a little deeper into some of these other components of soybeans. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, Allie, kind of back for segment two here and um, kind of talked about, you know, looking back at what we talked about this spring, how the growing season play out and, and uh, you know, what was kind of the end result. And we kind of got through the planning date and the seed treatment, uh, the importance of uh, kind of checking those two boxes and then as the, the growing season progresses, you know, the soybean crop, obviously weed control is important. You know, we might shelf that one, most grow producers, you know, there's challenges with weed control, but I, I think when you really look at, we know that clean beans, you know, you know, help us, uh, you know, maximize yield, but really then the, the next two steps there um, in that pest management program revolve around number one, fungicide, and number two, um, you know, controlling any late season insects, you know, whether that's soybean aphids specifically or, you know, we've had some other new pasta beans kind of show up here the last couple of years, but in most cases, it's just going to be a soybean aphid game. So step number one, Allie, uh, when you think about that fungicide application, um, you know, we talk about this and really, you know, I'm a endorser of it, um, but really there's just one factor and it really boils down to timing. Yeah. So, you know, timing of the foliar fungicides and soybeans is the biggest piece of the puzzle there. So we really want to shoot for that R3 growth stage. If you're hitting that too early or too late, you're not going to maximize the bushel response that's available there between the two. Um, this is just data from all of Pioneer. But if you look at that R3 application on average, you're sitting, you know, somewhere between that three, four bushel range. Would you say that sticks similar-ish to what folks experience in field, Josh? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good number. If we can hit that, um, if we can hit that timing, I'm, I'm very confident about, you know, three to five bushel. 
Um, as I really made the rounds and talked to producers that, that did some trials or some side-by-sides or, or treated some fields or not, um, I know, Allie, you and I got a little bit of data we got to analyze yet, but I think in almost all cases, I heard a lot of that three to five, if they were in that timing window. Um, some in that timing window, I think it exceeded that. Um, in some cases, I think it would it went above the three to five bushel. And now on the flip side of that, if you miss that window altogether, if you're out there at R1 or out there well past R4, um, the, the crazy thing is I'm not saying there ain't some benefit, but in most cases, if you miss that window, you know, it almost goes to like no response of yield. You know, you might see a visual response, but um, you know, that yield bump really disappears. And, and I think year in, year out, it's a frustrating application as we talk about this one. Then we also talk about insects is, you know, we always would like to do that in one trip, but it just, in a perfect world, it doesn't always work that way. And when we think about fungicide and soybeans today, it's going to be a kind of a budgeted trip application charge and fungicide. Um, that's going to be probably more of a standalone today than what it used to be. We used to in the old days, pair that with a late glyphosate application because we used to kind of spray Roundup on beans till till harvest. It seemed like back in the day, and uh, you know we used to be able to maybe pair it with soybean aphids, but it seemed like the aphid pressure maybe comes a little bit later. And this year, Ali, um, you know, I think one of the hidden yield robbers was late soybean aphid pressure. Yeah, very much on the aphid side, we just you know continued to promote. We were trying to get ourselves to that closer to that R6 window before we truly called it quits on the aphid side of things. Um, And it was relatively quiet on the aphid front until we got, you know, later in the season, like I said, pushing that R6 window where your threshold jumps up, you know, you need thousands of aphids per plant. But I think they did very much catch us by surprise there late season. I think they did cause some damage, especially in that far Southeast corner where you cover Josh. I think, you know, we definitely were getting close arguably to that, thousands of aphids per plant where we mm-hmm. likely would have liked to have seen maybe more applications, but we just maybe missed it in some cases. And I think it probably did throw us off. What's what's your overall thought there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked some fields late and, and we did spray fungicide, but we did not add an insecticide in, in some cases because there was nothing there. And by, by late August, um, we'd kind of missed the opportunity to go treat them, but boy, those hot pockets were there. You know, you could see the honeydew and it even some some bronzing in some cases. I also think some spider mites moved in with them as it got a little bit dry. Um, but yeah, in a lot of cases this year, um, you know, having an insecticide um, late, or in some cases, if you did pair it uh, with the fungicide with a product with some residual, and also keeping the spider mite thing in the back of your mind of what to choose, uh, we saw some benefit there. Um, but you know, when you think about soybeans and corn alley, you know, we're not going to talk about corn and tar spot and, and soybeans with aphids, but you know, it also, you know, within a given season, you get to a point where it's just like, oh, I don't want to keep having to walk every acre of this. But on the flip side of that, you know, we saw the impact uh, of, of what it can be. And we just got to be diligent and make sure we got boots on the ground, keep an eye on these pests. Yeah, so there's certainly some scouting fatigue, kind of like you mentioned, that can come along with some of this. But I think overall, if we look at soybeans, uh, all that we've talked about here today. So starting with the seed treatment component, working that on into as you're available to hit that planting window, taking advantage of that early planting as it comes to us, those early or planting windows. Um, then moving into to mid-season, just that R3 timing on the fungicide application, working us all the way through to, like we talked about, just scouting for the various pests in the case of today's conversation, aphids, just making sure that we're hitting those timing windows uh, to maximize return there. And I think if you're checking all these boxes, these were the things we saw this year that were really driving yield. If you were missing one or two of those components, that's where we maybe 
um, saw some differences between our best and worst yields on the soybean side of things. Uh, yeah. Fair statement there. Yeah, you know, I, I just to sum up the show here. In my opinion, if you check those boxes, you were you were knocking on and breaking through the seventy bushel barrier. If you missed some of these, you were knocking on the door and trying to bust through the fifty to sixty bushel barrier. And uh, ten bushel adds up, and uh, it all makes a big difference in the end. Ali, uh, next week we'll kind of do a similar before after on corn. And then we'll do one more episode to, to wrap up the year. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or okay. the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner. Submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m.